weekend, uh, tomorrow being Memorial Day, that we um, remember those that died in uh, the defense of our nation and uh, thankful for our country. And uh, we are very blessed uh, to live in uh, the country that we do and to have the freedoms that we do, uh, to be able to come and worship and um, so thankful for that, and we sometimes forget there's places that don't have that freedom. And uh, part of the reason why we still have that freedom is men and women were willing to sacrifice their life uh, and fight for our freedom uh, and the freedom to be able to gather to worship, uh, or the freedom not to gather to worship. Um, you know, being a, uh, and freedom has responsibility. Uh, and freedom that is not, uh, you know, uh, seen in its proper light and held in uh, high regard is soon lost. Uh, and, you know, I think freedom is worth uh, fighting for. Uh, and as great as the, our American freedom is, the freedom we have in Christ is oh so much greater. Knowing that we once were lost but we're now found. We were blind, but now we see. And so thankful for that. And uh, this morning, if you have your Bible, I invite you to turn uh, to Mark chapter 7 and go to verse 31. We'll pick up where we left off last week. Yeah, Jesus has walked already with his disciples for several months. And guess what? They still didn't get it. They didn't realize Jesus had told them who he was and why he came and what his mission was and what he was going to accomplish, how he was going to accomplish, and it went one ear out the other. Now, none of you parents know anything about that, do you? Uh, all of you know uh, about that, because you know, every kid you know, uh, goes straight through. I did hear you say that. Uh, but you, yeah, wives too, Leslie says. Uh, 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 yeah, she said husband. I say wives. But, uh, so let's pick up Mark chapter 7. We're going to read verse, uh, beginning in verse uh, 31 through uh, verse 9 of chapter 8. It says, Again, departing from the region of Tyre and Sidon, he came through the midst of the region of Decapolis to the Sea of Galilee. Then they brought to him one who was deaf and had an impediment in his speech, and they begged him to put his hand on him. And he took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers in his ear and spat and touched his tongue. Then, looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephpatha, that is, be opened. Immediately his ears were opened and the pediment of his tongue was loosed and he spoke plainly. Then he commanded them that they should tell no one but the more he commanded them, the more widely they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He makes both the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. In those days, the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat. 
And if I send them away hungry to their own houses, they will faint on the way, for some of them have come from afar. His disciples answered him, How can one satisfy these people with the bread here in the wilderness? He asked them, How many loaves do you have? And they said, Seven. So he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground, and he took, up the, took the seven loaves and gave thanks and broke them, and gave them to his disciples to set before them, and they set them before the multitude. They also had a few small fish, and having blessed them, he said to set them also before them. And so they sat and were filled, and they took up seven large baskets of leftover fragments. Now those who had eaten were about 4,000, and he sent them away. What a peculiar uh, two incidents that the Lord Uh, we find here that the Lord is ministering to people. Mark records, uh, again, remember very likely the recollection, Mark was the one writing, Peter was the one telling, and Mark wrote down what Peter said. Peter was an eyewitness uh, to the things that were going on. And boy, did Peter uh, remember uh, some things, and though he remembered these things, He surely didn't get them right away. It took him a long time. Which means we're in good company. Because if the disciples that actually sat in the presence of Jesus had trouble getting it, maybe we should be a little softer on ourselves when we don't get it. Or it takes us more than one time. Um, God calls us to be growing and becoming more and more like him. And that's a process. Uh, discipleship and change is a process. It's not an overnight thing. Sometimes we think that, boy, you get saved and whammo, bammo, you're the perfect Christian and you've got everything that you're supposed to have and you know everything you're supposed to have. We all know that's not the way that it works. That we have to grow and Jesus admonishes us and Paul admonishes us uh, to grow in the knowledge and the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. So Paul said, you know, he talks about, you know, you're born as a baby in Christ, so when you're saved, whether you're 5 or 6 or 50 or 60 or 80, when you get saved, when you accept Christ as Lord and Savior, you become a new baby in Christ. Your physical body is old, maybe. But your spiritual body is new. And it's got to grow. And it's got to change. And so as we go through life trying to serve Christ, sometimes we beat ourselves up and say, why, does, why am I so hard-headed? Why can't I learn it the first time? Sometimes we wonder, why does it have to be so hard? I know I've asked myself that a few times. You probably have as well. But here's the thing that Jesus wants us to remember. It's very likely that though these events uh, are back-to-back, that very likely Jesus spent a long time in this region. Several months, probably, uh, in Tyre and Sidon, and then heading to the east side of the Sea of Galilee, uh, where we find him in uh, both of these incidents that we looked at today. But Mark, I think, puts them where he puts them 
to make a point. And that point is this, that Jesus can meet your needs no matter what they are. And no matter who you are. All you have to do is open your heart and open your ears to what the Lord has to say. So in the first verses that we read, verses 31 through the end of the chapter, we meet this man that was both deaf and mute. He couldn't hear and he couldn't speak. Well, that's a problem even in our world today. It was a big problem in Jesus' day. They didn't have you know, iPads and things you could type on or paper that you could easily write. Uh, out messages, so communication was very hard uh, both ways, and not being able to speak, and it's interesting that in this healing, in uh, sometimes, uh, and we've seen in a previous chapter, uh, there was a man that was uh, mute, uh, that Mark records for us uh, was because of an evil spirit, doesn't say that here, it may have just, he was just born that way, because we live in a fallen world. And this fallen world is a mess. And in fact, this fallen world is a hot mess. And it's getting more and more of a mess every day. But while we might want to throw our hands up in despair and say, well, I just give up. As a child of God, we say, you know what, I'm not going to give up because the messier things are, the more Jesus has to show that he's Lord and how great he is. And there's some things in both of these incidents that we, as you just read it, we gloss over so much of what Jesus is trying to get through uh, to us and through his disciples. And so it's so important that if we want Jesus to work in our life that we open our heart and our ears. So these people had heard about what Jesus was doing, how he'd healed a lot of folks. And so they brought this man to Jesus and implored him. They begged and said, Jesus, please make him well. Remember that this area was largely Gentile. Though a few Jews did live in this region, it was mainly Gentiles that lived in this area. And so Jesus, remember, he said, I've come to bring the message first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. And we saw that earlier um, you know, last week, when he spoke with this Syrophoenician woman and then healed her. And so people saw this man that was probably not a leader in the synagogue. He was what we might call from the wrong side of the tracks. And yet Jesus heard the message and he was willing to do something about this man's problem. And so he took him away a little ways. I don't think it, it doesn't necessarily mean that they went 
way for they were already out in the wilderness. They were out in this just open. They were out in the country is what that means. Jesus took this man away from the crowd. But I think the crowd could see. They maybe couldn't hear what Jesus was saying. Perhaps the only ones that could hear what Jesus was saying was Peter and the other disciples. But everybody in that crowd saw what Jesus did for this man that was very likely also a Syrophoenician man. They saw him take his fingers, put them right here in his ears like that. If that wasn't weird enough, Jesus spit on his fingers and then put his fingers on the man's tongue. Now, in our culture today, both those things are very weird. They were even more weird in a first century Jews world. They were off the charts weird. And people noticed that. Perhaps what they, you know, because for folks, and we see it even in our world today, when people are different than us, what's our reaction? We avoid them. We try to have nothing to do with them. We look the other way, we walk past them, pretend they're not there. And I think people in the first century were the same. Human nature is human nature, and it will always be. But Jesus didn't look past this man. And he didn't ignore him. And he didn't pretend he didn't hear him or see him or what his need was. He looked into his eyes. He connected to him. There were many, I assure you, in the crowd that were astonished and said, how dare he have anything to do with a Gentile? He touched him. He put his finger in his mouth. And he calls himself a holy man. He's just made himself unclean as unclean can be. And yet Jesus was not concerned about people's prejudices. What he wanted people to see was this message. And that's the first thing I want to see is that the message that Jesus preached is seen. They lived in in the first century. Their culture was very much an oral culture. They heard and they saw. Some didn't know how to read. Some even knew how to write, but not everybody. And books were not, they didn't have books. Everything was written on parchment or sheepskin or various other things like that, reeds and paper of any kind was very rare and very expensive. There just wasn't a whole lot of it. But people knew and understood cultural norms. And they knew Jesus had just broken a bunch of them. And that message, what Jesus did, spoke louder than anything that Jesus said. The fact that he had compassion 
and that he wasn't afraid to touch this Gentile man. That wasn't just a Gentile, but he was a deaf and mute Gentile. He was a social outcast if there ever was one. And yet Jesus didn't care. And people saw that. And I tell you that oftentimes the message of the gospel before people can hear it, they have to see it. Mahatma Gandhi is famously quoted, I don't know if it's accurate that he actually said this or not, but he's quoted as saying, I'm almost persuaded to be a Christian, except I know a few. What he was saying is what I've seen with my eyes of people that claim that they know Jesus makes me not want to know this man named Jesus. Oftentimes, you know, that's a, a big excuse. If people, when I, uh, you know, people find out I'm a pastor, especially, say, oh, I, I, I don't go in for that church stuff. They're just a bunch of hypocrites. And here's the thing, we are. Nobody in this building has it all together. I'm sorry to burst your bubble if you think you do. You don't. Now, you may not be as a hot best as those that are without Jesus are. I hope you're not. Because when Jesus is in your life, he's working on cleaning that mess up and turning it into a message and those tests into testimonies. But there are people all around us that need to hear this message that Jesus loves them. And Jesus can change them. Jesus will meet them where they are. But here's the thing. He won't leave you like he found you. This man Jesus met was deaf and couldn't talk. When he left that place, he wouldn't shut up. He was telling everybody about what Jesus had done. And was speaking plainly. He had been changed. Not changed by some kind of voodoo doctor or soothsayer, but changed by this Jewish man who just happened to be the Savior of the world. That just happened to be the Messiah. Just happened to be the man that was also fully God. And people saw that. People saw that it didn't ma- that Jesus wasn't concerned about making his name great. I think that's why he stepped aside because he didn't want to make it a spectacle uh, and a show. But he also wanted people to get the message that his touch could reach anyone, including the Syrophoenician woman earlier that we read about in Mark chapter seven last week. And this deaf, mute man that we've met today. But then Jesus also shows a picture of another message in chapter 8. When he feeds 4,000 people. This is the second time he has fed a big crowd after people have hung around, listened to his teaching, and ran out of food. 
Some have suggested that perhaps this was one incident. It is not one incident. They occurred separately because there's a lot of different factors. Here we find Jesus had been teaching for three days. So the people had brought some provisions, but they stayed longer than they anticipated. And had gotten to the point in the day where they had been so engrossed by Jesus' teaching, but it was getting late in the day, so late afternoon. If they went home, he said they'd be so famished, they wouldn't make it home. The disciples knew that they had a problem. But they were a little bit smarter this time. Remember last time they said, Lord, what on earth do you expect us to do? There ain't no Piggly Wiggly or Kroger around here. We can't go get nothing. And you remember, Jesus told them, go see what you can find. And they came back with this little boy's lunch. And you remember what happened? Jesus took it, blessed it, broke it, and fed 5,000 men plus a bunch of women and children. And when they were done and everybody was full, they packed up 12 basketfuls full of leftovers. And so the disciples this time said, you know what? We better be cautious, but not skeptical. So this time they go with a little bit better attitude. They say, Lord, you know, it's getting late. We're out here in the wilderness. We better do something to feed these folks. The implication this time was, Lord, we know you can do it. You better do it. And so Jesus says, how much bread do you got? They had seven loaves of bread. It was probably the 12 disciples and Jesus' loaves of bread. They, they at least come prepared. And they had some provision. And then they had a few small fish. We don't know how few, but a few. Jesus again told the disciples, have them sit down in groups of 50, pass out, he blessed the bread, broke it, passed it out, and everybody got bread. He lifted up the fish, passed it out, guess what? Everybody ate all they wanted. And this time they had seven big baskets. Before it was just 12 regular-sized baskets. This is seven large baskets full of leftovers. After everybody had ate all they wanted and were full. Why did Jesus do that again? Well, I think to teach us a lesson, but also to remind us how important it is that the message of Jesus is seen. Do we know that Jesus can meet our every need? I hope you do know that. We say it, but you don't fully believe it until Jesus has met a need of yours. And here's what you find, that not only does Jesus meet the need you have one time, but Jesus meets your need every time. And that changes everything. The fact that Jesus was willing to touch this man and then speak to this man and heal this man was the loudest sermon that Jesus could have preached. Jesus had no doubt taught some 
you know, great sermons and chucked a lot of corn uh, these three days. But perhaps the greatest message that he preached was in taking these seven loaves of bread and feeding 4,000 people. Because the message that's seen is that no matter how little you have, when you give that little to Jesus, Jesus will meet your needs. But in order for him to meet your needs, in order for him to work in your life, what do you have to do? You have to open your heart and open your ears. But then, not only was the message seen that day, but the message was heard. So, back to this first illustration, this first message with the deaf-mute man. The people heard Jesus cry out to his ears the command, Be opened. They knew that he was deaf and mute. That he couldn't hear, he couldn't talk. He heard, they all heard Jesus' words. But then Jesus did something else. He cried out or groaned. He gave an, an utterance of you know, grief and despair. He was moved. And people took notice of it. Because not only was Jesus concerned and had compassion on the Jewish people, this was an outcast Gentile heathen. And Jesus was healing him. And not only was Jesus healing him, remember the woman, Jesus, the girl wasn't there, so he didn't touch the girl. But he did touch this Gentile man. And when Jesus touched him, and when Jesus spoke, this man wasn't healed five months later. He wasn't even healed five minutes later. Mark tells us immediately he was healed. His ears opened and he could hear. How amazing is that? The first thing he heard in his life maybe, at least in a long time was the voice of Jesus saying, be made whole. And this man that had not been able to speak now wouldn't shut up about what God had done in his life. People knew that, and you know what? They listened to that man. They listened to those 4,000 plus people that were in a crowd that were fed by seven loaves and a few small fish. They had heard the words of Jesus. They heard the groans of Jesus. But they heard them because they first saw them. You Speak about Jesus through your actions before you utter a word. Friend, you need to remember that. But then here's the thing. Yes, your actions need to show that you belong to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But then Jesus also expects you to open your mouth and talk about Him. 
You know, we're not embarrassed to talk about what our children or our grandchildren or our dogs or our sports teams have done. We'll talk about that all day long as long as people listen to us. Then why can we not talk about Jesus? Oh, I don't want to offend anybody. I mean, I tell you, people are offended, especially today, they're offended by just about everything. You're going to offend folks, so you offend them for the right reason and in the right way. Now, you don't go out and just belittle somebody and, you know, you are mean and degrading to people, but you also don't shirk from the truth. But if people haven't seen the message take place in your life and seen that message through your life, they're not going to hear a word that you say about Jesus. But if they know that you love them and they hear you, you say, you know, how can I pray for you? And maybe you even pray with them before you leave and you ask them later, you might text them and you may ask them when you see, you know, how's whatever that situation is. You know, I've been praying about that like you've asked. That's gospel seeds that are planted in people's hearts. And people take on you, oh, there's something different about that person. And what's different is we serve a risen Savior. That song says, we serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. You ask me how I know he's living? He lives within my heart. And that is a message this dying, lost world needs to hear today more perhaps than they've ever needed it before. And they're not going to hear it from the government. They're not going to hear it from some self-help guru. They're going to hear it from God's people. So they've got to see it, and then they've got to hear it. And then lastly, not only is the message seen, and not only is the message of Jesus heard, but the message is felt. In both of these instances, thousands of people had had their lives impacted because they had met Jesus. But not just because they met Jesus, but because they came to feel that Jesus cared about them. And Jesus does care about you, and he does care about those that you come across. He cares about everyone. He really does. Peter says God is not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. God doesn't force himself on us. The message is felt. There's an old adage, it's almost cliche now, people don't care what you know until they know how much you care. Not only do they need to see it and hear it, they need to feel it. This man's life was changed. He felt different. He was a social outcast. He knew it and felt it before he came to know Jesus. But when Jesus made him whole, he was different. He behaved differently because he felt differently. Now, our salvation is not based on feelings because there are some days we feel like pretty good saints. 
There's other days we know we ain't very saintly. And we don't particularly feel saved. But whether you feel saved or whether you don't, if you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are. And you may not be where you ought to be with Him. And by the way, that's not His fault. He hasn't moved. You have. But the way back to Him is the way you got there in the first place. Repenting and calling out to Him. And that's the good news of the gospel. Because you see, we never get out of our need for the gospel. Sometimes we're guilty of thinking, you know what? Only lost people need the gospel. Do lost people need to hear the gospel? Absolutely they do. But those that know the gospel and have experienced firsthand and maybe even known it and walked it for decades need to hear it and live it newly as well. We need constantly to be reminded that the gospel is for us. And we need it. The old little song, we've had a lot of songs this morning uh, in this message. This great little southern gospel, I guess, Diddy. He's still working on me. He made the moon and the stars and Jupiter and Mars all in a week's time. But he's still working on me. How loving and patient he must be. He's still working on me. And friend, I want you to know he's still working on me. I hope he's still working on you. So the message needs to be felt. We're changed. We feel different. Our life is changed. These people, uh, one couldn't hear or speak. He left being able to do both. One group could hear and could speak. And boy, they were getting some great preaching. And, but their bellies were empty. And so, guess what? They felt hungry. But Mark tells us as they left that day, when Jesus got done with preaching hour, they weren't hungry. They were, oh my goodness, I ate too much fish. Because they had had holy fish. Jesus changes our life. And we feel it. We know it. We don't have to wonder, am I saved? This man didn't have to wonder. He heard Jesus say, be healed, be complete. Because he heard it, he knew he had been changed because he couldn't hear diddly squat before. And then he knew he was changed because he could talk plainly and people could understand him. And so has Jesus made a change in your life? For Jesus to make that change and continue to make that change, for you to continue to feel the message and power of Jesus in your life and in my life, guess what we have to do? Open your hearts and open your ears. The disciples didn't get it because they were married to tradition. They hadn't opened their hearts. They had heard. And you know what? Perhaps you've heard it this way, and we're going to wrap up. There's a lot of people in this world that miss heaven by 18 inches. 18 inches is about the distance between your head and your heart. It's good for every person to hear about Jesus. 
But every person hearing about Jesus is not what makes the difference. What makes the difference is a person hearing and then letting it seep to their heart. In other words, allowing Jesus to change their life. And if we'll be willing to do that, he will, no matter who we are. No matter how much of an outcast or social pariah we think we are. No matter the bad that we've done. No matter how guilty we are. No matter how scarred we are. Jesus will receive us, he'll touch us, he'll love us, he'll have compassion on us. He'll speak to us and he'll change us. How do you know, preacher? I know because he's done it to me. And if he did it to me, he can do it for you. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your word and your goodness. Lord, thank you for the power and the wonder of the gospel. How it changes our lives. Lord, maybe there's one here today or in person or watching on Facebook or YouTube that has never found that new life. What a great day on this Memorial Day of 2023. It would be for them to come to know new life. Not just hearing about Jesus, but coming to know Him and feel Him, be changed by Him. Lord, maybe there's one of your children here today that think they're beyond the gospel. They don't need it anymore. Perhaps, Lord, they're the ones that need it most. That's the reality. When we think we need it the least, it's when we need it the most. God, remind us of our need for your grace working in our life. Thank you that you love us so that you're willing, no matter how far away from you we've wandered, we cry out to you, you hear us. And not only do you hear us, but you bring us near and you touch us. Help us today, Lord, to be your children. Help us to be obedient to you. Help us to have open hearts and open ears that we would hear from you and that we would obey what we've heard. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Let's stand together. We're going to sing this little hymn, Invitation. If God spoke to your heart, there's a decision you need to make. This would.